0: This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit org.
1: Well, welcome to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam, and I'm your host, and joining me, as is his custom,
0: Dr. Richard Blackaby. Yes, good to be with you once again, Sam, after all these years. After all these years, it's
1: uh, <laughs> we're still going strong, and it's uh, it's been uh, an absolute pleasure to do this. And something I was... Uh, Noticing the other day, and perhaps it's a morbid thought, but um, everybody dies. You know, like that's a that's a reality uh, that we why face. Why are you looking at
0: me when you say that? Well, I mean, you know,
1: if, if nature takes its course, um, you'll probably be before me. Uh, but it's something that you know, just uh, I, I do a lot of looking at culture sometimes, and it's something that we really don't like to think about. No, uh, we don't like to contemplate
0: our own demise. Yeah, and I think we, especially in the West uh, and in America, we we live in perpetual denial. You know, we we all we know intellectually that uh, we will, we will, none of us will live forever, but at the same time, rarely do we prepare for it properly. And um, so, the reason that I think we actually I wanted to maybe talk about this today was really some of you, if you follow me on social media, you, you probably know that my parents have both really declined, uh, significantly in the last five to six weeks. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and that just is really, I don't want to be morbid about it, but I, it has certainly caused me to do some, uh, some serious thinking about that. And, uh, and so I just thought maybe today be a little bit different, but just reflecting on life and some lessons learned. And, you know, one of the things I think that leaders that are wise do is they learn from other people's experience. I, I don't, I don't want to be at death's door and then trying to figure out h- how to finish well. I, you know, I, I want to watch those going before me and, and see things that I want to emulate in my life and maybe some things I want to do better, um, but reflecting on life. And I think that's important. And, you know, it, it was said years and years ago uh, that think about what, it, what you wanted uh, to be said on your tombstone or what you wanted to be said about your funeral and then back up and make sure you live in such a way that that's what they do say about you. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes living with the end in view uh, is helpful in saying we all know what our end will be. Uh, so how should we be living toward that? And yeah, I know
1: little- <laughs> it was a big a big uh, deal among the Stoics that they always sort of point to that I'm like we're all we're all mortal here
0: yeah we're mortal and in some ways you know that can make you kind of discouraged or depressed to think well what's the point you know i'm going to die anyway on the other hand it it also can um, motivate you to make the best use of the time you have yeah. our time is not limitless uh and so we need to use it well and wisely and so those perhaps have been following my parents journey you know about six weeks or so ago Uh, my wife and I were getting ready to go up to Canada for about two weeks. And, uh, and so we had the family over to our house uh, the night before. And uh, my, my my mom drove uh, my dad uh, over for dinner at our house and had a nice visit. And, um, you know, my, my mom had had a kind of a tough week that week was just some, you know, some aging kind of issues. And, uh, but, but she was doing fine. She still drove over and came in and enjoyed seeing her grandkids and great grandkids. And, and went home, and then my wife and I left for two weeks uh, to go to Canada. But when we came back, it just seemed as if everything had changed. Uh, my mom was uh, not doing well, was uh, in the hospital, and and um, my dad had three different ambulance rides to three different hospitals in the course of two weeks or so, and you uh, just watched, especially my mother. My mother is... Uh, has always just been a very, very strong, strong person. She's put up with a lot for my dad traveling the world. And she's a extrovert. She loves, she hates to miss out on anything. And so no matter how tired she is, if there's a party going on, she's going to be there, you know, and, uh, uh, and she, and she's been, uh, very supportive of her kids and grandkids. I mean, she could be at times drive you know growing up she could drive us crazy sometimes because she was a little too involved in our life sometimes <laughs> but um but you know if you if you had a need you, you might like you might be living in Norway at the time or you might be uh somewhere else thousands of miles away but if she needed to she'd jump on a plane and be there if she needed if you needed financial help even though they never had just a lot of money they they you knew a check would be coming what they could give like whatever you needed And so they've just always been larger than life uh, people to me. And of course, then my dad is, uh, he is just uh, a spiritual giant. He's written a Christian classic. He has spoken uh, to world leaders, to presidents of the United States. Uh, He has spoken in front of stadiums of tens of thousands of pastors and other people and uh, has just written and, and thought and, uh, and seen so much in the Christian life that has deeply, uh, impacted my life. And so, um, uh, to see them frail and weak and really at this point, neither one of them wants to get out of their chair. Uh, my mom at this point can't get out of a chair. And, uh, uh, both of them ended up getting COVID for the first time just a couple weeks ago uh, because my mom had to go to the hospital. She got COVID and brought it back to my dad uh, unknowingly. And um, and then uh, the worst news was that my my mother had this ongoing fever and they couldn't figure out having come out of a urinary tract infection and coming out of COVID. They thought they had all that under control, but they couldn't figure out why she still had this fever And after a number of tests and hospital days, uh, trying to figure it out, finally uh, discovered that she had uh, some tumors in her liver, and uh, they're inoperable, uh, chemotherapy won't really work for her, and so they gave her three to six months to live. And and even then, she's facing that, uh, and then really in just the past week, uh, she's declined to the point where she can't. Um, she's almost just entirely invalided at this point. can't hardly talk. Uh, I had, I was going to feed her lunch yesterday or dinner and and I had to just physically lift her up and put her in a wheelchair. She can't even take a step, can't lift her feet when you're pushing her on the wheelchair. And uh, I had to just spoon feed her every bite. And, um, you you know, I, I, I'm in my sixties now. I feel fortunate I still have both my parents, but it's it's become obvious that um that their days physically are not long left ahead of them. And uh and so as I watch that, um, you know, this I, I, I realize, I mean, these are my parents and I realize that I I'm following behind them, that mm. a day will come when I will be weak. Uh uh Sam, I don't know that you know, I'll have to ask you to spoon feed me my dinner, but uh, there may come a day when Hopefully I need there'll
1: be you to. There'll some technology where I don't have to, you know, <laughs>
0: uh So, that. you know, just a couple of thoughts. Uh, and, and one is that we all will face physical decline at some point. It's just rare to, for us. If you live long enough, you're just going to lose your strength. And, I mean, I've already lost... A lot of my strength you know now i now i whenever we're around something heavy like you're you're a good son-in-law and stepping in to do it for me and uh you know i'm six two two hundred plus pounds i've 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 not had that many people feeling they needed to help me to lift things or carry things <laughs> in the past and so yeah. it kind of says something to you when the younger guys are looking out for the old guy and say hey richard let me get that for you and it's just kind of a reminder you know i still have some strength i'm you know not a foot in the grave yet but uh but already uh already the trends are there uh and you know i'm past my physical peak at least and uh so you what that what that tells me uh, there's a couple things i guess and uh and, and, you know th- i mean this could be a very morbid depressing talk but yeah. i think what it says to me a couple things and one is uh, that time is precious, and yeah. my my if you had known my parents in their prime, uh, they were a whirlwind. They were on the go all the time. They couldn't even get their suitcase uh, completely unpacked until they had to be packing it back up and heading to the airport again. And all kinds of amazing trips and and talks and book opportunities to write and so many just the, the opportunities swirled about my parents. And, uh, and of course they accomplished a great deal. And really, if you knew them at that time, you would have thought, uh, the thought of them in the condition they're in now would have, wouldn't have crossed your mind. You couldn't have pictured it as you know, unable to feed themselves. Yeah. But, uh, but what you realize is we, we really only have a, a limited amount of time as adults. You know, if you, if you count the time you're growing up and learning how to be an adult, and then the time when you now no longer have the strength, energy, or whatever to continue serving the Lord, then you just have a window of maybe a couple of decades of of peak performance uh, capability. Yeah. And and so what that says to me is, number one, um, use the time wisely. Uh, number two, don't live your life as if you've got lots of time to do stuff. Uh, if, if there's something that you know, God wants you to do it's better to get it done uh i can't tell how many people have told me you know i've always thought i'd like to write a book or i'd always like to do this or do that, and haven't gotten around to it yet and you know my my uh observation at this point my dad's not going to write any more books. my dad's not going to preach any more sermons yeah. if he didn't get it done by now it's not it's not going to happen i I may draw I may write something drawing upon his material and his thoughts but he's not going to do it and so um that that says to me uh so I've kind of taken I have had a bunch I've knocked off I've checked a bunch of boxes here lately I've I've finished off two different study bibles I've uh just turned in a book manuscript about 2 weeks ago uh I, I don't think that that's all that I'm going to do writing wise I've got a couple other projects one I'm trying to finish up still and Another, I'll be looking at uh, maybe next year of doing, but but I I don't want to have a bunch of stuff pushing the can farther down the road. I yeah. If if I'm going to do it, I, I want to try to keep uh, my accounts up to date so that because uh, of course we're all one stroke, one heart attack away uh, from not being able to think clearly again. And Sam, you and I both know we're both grieving uh, today because just yesterday. Um, we heard of a tragic death, uh, I think from a heart attack or heart failure of some kind. But, mm-hmm. uh, I, I did this man's uh, wedding in July and now in September he's dead. Yeah. His, his bride, uh, discovered that he was dead in their bed and, um, married about two months or so. Yeah. And, uh, such a nice guy, uh, and not certainly not old. Uh, where you would ex- you'd be thinking that that might be a possibility. And yeah. so it just has created a certain sense of urgency for me that I, you have to ask yourself, if I suddenly contracted a serious illness and r- declined rapidly and was unable to ever write a book again or travel again or do certain things I always had thought about doing, would I, would I face my final days kicking myself for not having gotten on that faster? Um, and so that's, that's certainly one. And a second one, and we talked a bit about this the other day, but you know, my parents are at this point, literally they are, I mean, I spent yesterday afternoon with them and they just sat in their chairs. They, they, for the most part right now, at least they sit in their recliner chairs in their living room and they sit there all day. And if you can get them, to get up and help them get to the the, the kitchen table, they'll eat a meal and then they'll, they'll go back and sit in their chairs. Um, now they've had nice houses in the past. Uh, they've had, you know, not, not mansions, but they've had full size houses and basements and upstairs and they'll, that would be completely wasted on them now. Mm-hmm. Uh, all they need really is a, a comfortable chair and, uh, a comfortable bed. And, uh, and I, I don't say this harshly. It's just that when you get to a certain age when you're so tired and frail that you don't. It yeah. does, you, you could have ten guest rooms. You could have a, a nice, beautiful swimming pool in your backyard. You know, you could have an, a nice walking path through the gardens in the back of your property. It won't matter. You can have all kinds of stuff in the back forty uh my dad would have no interest right now in going to see any of that he just yeah. just tell me where my chair is and you know that's i'm not that's not to be critical that's just when you have no energy when you have no strength when it's painful to walk um that's all you need and so you know i we've kind of talked about this before but um, over the last several years we've been significantly downsizing with my parents and they've been given away they've always been very generous and they they haven't been materialistic by any means but they've nice furniture that they had, if someone wants it, if a grandchild wants it, just just take it. Just my mom especially has just said, "Hey do you like this? Would you want it just, just just take it home with you i I'd, I'd rather you have it right now than it take up space and yeah um, and but not but and so they've increasingly lived in smaller and smaller places and needed less and less things and You know, for a lot of us, uh, our last day may just be a hospital room with a sparsely furnished room with a hospital bed. Mm -hmm. And even kings, you know, kings of England that uh, ruled uh, the British Empire and could shout off with their heads and and people could live in terror of them, uh, who could build all kinds of palaces and live in all kinds of houses. And yet, at the end of the day, they're basically consigned to a bedroom in one of their palaces and... And that's all they need anymore is that bed, and no matter how wealthy you are. And so, you know, again, that just says to me, um, again, there's nothing wrong with having a nice house, a big house, uh, or some nice things. But just know that if if you if that is your life, if your life is about accumulating more property and more possessions. If you live long enough, you won't care about a lot of that stuff at at a certain time. And, but the the flip side is, if you invest in people, then even when you can't get up and move anymore, those people you invested in will they may come to you. You know. And so, in the last six weeks or so, I've got a number two two brothers who live outside the state. uh, One in Canada. And uh, they've they've all made their way down, and their kids, my parents' uh, grandkids, uh, they've all been making their way down to just see them, perhaps for the last time, at least my mom, anyway. And uh, that you realize that's the future. You know, they did invest in people and in grandkids and young people, and even and so, for instance, my oldest son Mike is pastoring in Canada now. Well, my dad's not ever going to pastor again, and but my dad did pastor in Canada in the past, and his story has inspired people, and it inspired my son, and now my son is doing what his grandfather did years before, yeah. And so, even though my dad can't do it anymore, his descendants are carrying on and and continuing that work. And dad can't really run Blackaby Ministries International anymore, but uh, I can, and uh, and so and it's we were flourishing as much as we ever have. Uh, and so he doesn't have to run it anymore. But he raised up kids and grandkids that can, and so that's fine. And you know, I just think sometimes we neglect people because we're so concerned about things or money or or our work. And then one day money, things work don't really matter anymore. And what does matter, we've neglected. And I, I guess I thought about that. You know, we have, uh, nurses and people that we have, uh, that we brought into care from our parents and just the day to day, a lot of the kind of nursing personal care that they need. And, uh, and they, a, a number of them, I was talking to a couple yesterday and they were just marveling at our family and just the way we just keep coming around to help. And, uh, Last Sunday, I, I had to teach a Bible study at uh, our church, and then I, I booted it out uh, with my daughter, Carrie, uh, your wife, and we went over there to spend a bit of time uh, Sunday morning with them since they can't get out. And, uh, you know, my mother you, was kind of complaining about sore feet on that day, and my mom used to be famous for She was really into this thing about rubbing your feet with this special foot lotion, and and it was always a little hard for me as a guy to have my mom, just because she's my mom, like just not that I'd mind having my, a foot massage, but it always kind of seemed like, what am I doing? You know, wh- why is my mom doing that for me? But but that was her way, one of her ways to love us and show that love. And so she would insist that, you know, with all the time I stood on my feet preaching and teaching that, uh, you know, this would be really good for me. And so just she would insist, you know, on, on ministering to her son that way. And so when she complained about her feet on Sunday, I just said, well, mom, let me get that lotion. Like I said, you know what? I, I will wash, I will rub your feet. Uh, you've done that for me lots of times. I don't know that I've ever rubbed stuff on my mom's feet before. And I said, you're, I'm well past due to re- return the favor. And, uh, and so as I'm starting to do that, uh, my daughter Carrie jumps in and says, no, dad, let, let me do that. And, you know, most people don't argue about who gets to rub someone's feet. <laughs> um, but, you know, as you know, Sam, as well as I do, that, you know, Carrie uh, loves her grandma. And um, and it was like, hey, here's a tangible thing I can do to let her know how much I love her. And, yeah. you know, I, it just struck me. Uh, that as my mother is in frail condition, her son and her granddaughter both hap- would be happy to rub her feet and care for her in a very menial sort of way. And then I'm thinking about, I, I just I wondered, well, what about the people that alienated themselves from all their kids and mm. don't know their grandkids, and now they're aging, and they're sitting alone with aching feet and nobody checking in on them to see if they're okay, and no one wanting to rub their feet or even just stop by to say hi um your wife and you both uh raise flowers as kind of a side gig to sell uh, flowers and arrangements and uh, on, from your property and and carrie has been great just to you know each week make sure my mom's got some fresh cut flowers in her place and uh yeah. and I'm I'm looking at that and saying you know now here lies a fr- if you if you're if you just didn't know anything about my mom and you just saw this frail older woman you might just you you wouldn't have any idea like so what was this person like now she seems very frail and weak and and yet then you start watching these uh, grandkids of hers you know eager happy to rub her feet to bring her flowers and you just think so how did this person live how did they live and you know you and I both know my mother is far from perfect. Uh, there's lots of things that could drive me crazy but um but there was also a sense in which she expressed her love very tangibly and whatever she knew to do she would do. And you know there's an interesting passage uh maybe I just I can just um just mention but in uh in in 2nd Samuel there's an interesting passage 2nd Samuel 21 verses 15 to 22. And it just says that, that, uh, King David was going out to, to war just like he did every year. Um, only this time when he went to fight against some of the Philistines, it says that, uh, he grew, he grew weak, grew, grew frail and, uh, an enemy that was actually a descendant of Goliath came after him to kill him. And, uh, 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 Abishai, we've talked about him before, that kind of loyal right-hand man that just seems to always step in to help David. He, he comes to the rescue and kills this giant before he can kill David. And so the, the, the Israelites win the day. But after that, it says that his men all sternly told David, you are not going to battle again. You've just fought your last battle. You, you now you're frail enough, weak enough, you used to be a fearless leader in battle. you could take on giants. We all followed your lead, but that day is over, and as it is over and everyone, you may have been a giant killer that could take on a Goliath, but there's a day coming when you're more of a liability than a help to be on the battlefield and so they said but but don't worry because we're all here, and you you've raised up a bunch of mighty men and we will continue to fight the giants and fight the enemies of God, but you can't anymore. And, Mm. and David to his credit, doesn't, he, 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 he tended to listen to his men when they talked to him like that. But then it goes on to say that uh, it mentions the stories of about four different giants that I think were all related to Goliath, like his sons or brothers and people like that. And it tells how different Israelites killed those giants, and to the point that even one of David's nephews kills a giant. And so you realize he had his day; he he killed his giants in his day. But a day came when his strength was waning, and it uh, didn't necessarily mean he couldn't still uh, be a blessing and do things. It just meant he couldn't put carry a sword and go out in battle when everybody wanted to kill you. Yeah. And um, and so I think for us as well i realize there's there's a there's a, a season when we can put on our armor and go out into battle and we're we're carrying the weight you know we're in the the heat of the the fray but a time's going to come when we just don't have the strength to do that anymore and the question will be did we raise up any other giant killers while we were in our prime yeah. while we were leading did we make it all about us and as soon as we're not able anymore does our organization fall apart or In that season, while we had our health and strength and vigor, uh, were we investing in raising up others who could carry on after our strength began to decline? And so there are some people, sadly, that are very lonely, bitter, uh, forsaken, elderly people that they never invested in people. And now that they're in decline, nobody is uh, investing very much in them yeah. and uh and so i watched my parents and you know the flood of cards and people just asking how can we help and your mother came this week in fact sam and just said let me just give an afternoon to ministering to this uh, fine couple and uh, she was a blessing and so you know it, it, it again this is kind of more of a sobering uh, uh podcast and well i'm sure we'll have some updates on their health in the weeks to come but uh but But it's been a bit of a wake-up call to me to say, and one day that will be me. Mm -hmm. And so am I investing people today so that when I can't invest anymore in them, will they appreciate enough what I've done that they will want to minister to me Uh, because they know when I had the opportunity, I ministered to them, and I I tried to bless them. And we all have our season to impart a blessing, and then there comes a time we need to receive it. And so I don't know the ages of all of our listeners uh, listening to this podcast, but we will all get to the end of ourselves one day. And I, I pray that when you do, you will have lived wisely enough and been a blessing to enough people that uh, you'll be surrounded by those that will walk with you in your declining days as well. And you can celebrate a a life well lived that was blessed and appreciated by many others.
1: Yeah, well, I think that's a great place to leave it. and Thank you for that uh, sobering reminder today.